Plaza, I am so honored to be here with you, our neighbors, uh, this morning. And uh, I'm really excited to have Pastor Daniel at Red Church in a couple weeks. Um, this morning, I really feel like there's a message that we need to hear that's in this season, how we should approach things. I really feel like the Lord's speaking. To, I need to pause. Whew. Sorry, I was about to sneeze. I was about to sneeze, and I'm like, we need to. Hello, Plaza. I am so honored to be here with you, our neighbors, and uh, I'm really excited to have Pastor Daniel with us in a couple weeks. But today, I have a message that I really feel is important for us in this really unique season that we find ourselves in, in our country and in our community. And um, I don't know about you, but you know, when you look at the year that we've had, uh, there's probably a lot of adjectives that um, we could use. Maybe some of them we probably shouldn't use in church. It's just been a weird, weird year. And um, on a personal level, this past year has been very challenging for me. Um, last year, in the middle of everything, my mother uh, passed away. She was very young. She lived with us. And so this was something that was um, really difficult for us to deal with because she lived with us and I have four young children and so it was something I had to navigate not just on a personal level because just before that my father had passed away and so this was something that just compounded um, problems in our family and um, some of the struggles with with raising a family and I know many of you guys have been dealing with stuff as well and then on top of that um, you know trying to teach a or trying to explain to a seven-year-old why they can't have a birthday party and, and dealing with just stuff as a leader and a pastor and a husband and a, and a father and a, a son. It's a year that, if I were to be honest with you, there were moments where um, I kind of wondered about the future. Like, it's hard for me to dream or even kind of know what to do or, or wonder what God's doing in all of this because it's like the normal had been disrupted to where... Who knows what tomorrow is going to be? It's unpredictable. And maybe you can relate. Maybe some things have been overturned for you. Maybe your jobs, your families, uh, your plans, whatever it might be. Maybe even your health. And perhaps it's resulted in your life, maybe in anger or fear or just kind of apathy, maybe waiting for things to just end and change. It's a challenging season, and oftentimes when we deal with the unknown, it can have an impact on us on an emotional, psychological, and spiritual level. Um, when we see problems in the world, often we can become pessimistic because it's, it's, hard to not, it's hard to think that there maybe is no hope. Or when we look at problems in our life, it's easy for us to get anxious. When things become unknown, when, when things kind of shift it's easy for us to lose hope, but this morning I just want us to understand that if you are a follower of Christ, there is hope. And I really feel this morning, um, I feel like there's someone watching this morning that needs to hear this. I think today it's time to dream again. It's time to dream again, a God dream. Uh, there's been a lot of unknowns, but I really believe that the Lord's doing something. So if you would turn with me to Philippians 3, 12 and 15. It says this, this is the Apostle Paul, it says, I know that I'm not yet what God wants me to be, 
I haven't reached that goal, but I keep moving toward it to make it mine because Christ made me and saved me for this. I know that I haven't reached my goals. I haven't reached my goal, but there's one thing I always do, forgetting the past and straining toward what is ahead. I keep my eyes focused on the goal so that I may one day win the prize that God has called me to receive through Christ in the life above. All of you who are spiritually mature should think this way too, should think the same way too. So Paul's talking to the Philippians and he is encouraging and challenging them. And what he's saying here is that he, Paul, the apostle Paul is not yet perfect. He is not, he's not reached that goal yet. And he is continuing to grow and he's not being passive about it. He's not being lazy about it. He's being intentional about it with a passion. He's not sitting on the sidelines. He's not uh, passive. This is something that is an engaging thing that he's doing. And he highlights here that something is very, very interesting. It kind of even sometimes uh, confronts how we view or what we might think of as being spiritually mature. He highlights here that the spiritual matures, they should think the same way too, that we should not just go passive, not just be thinking of the past, but be actively pursuing the goal that God has called us to do. Part of that is become more like Christ, but part of that also is to be obedient what God has called us to do. And he says this is actually part of being spiritually mature. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my background, uh, we often think of spiritually mature as, as just those who have learned a lot. But, you know, I, I, I'm a college professor, and there's a lot of people I know who know a lot, but aren't necessarily spiritually mature. And he highlights here that we should, uh, forgetting about the past and moving toward, and there's a couple things that kind of keep us trapped in the past. Sometimes our mistakes keep us trapped in the past because we're afraid of what happened then and we can't move on because that bad thing that we did or that happened to us, sometimes um, the enemy will try to use that to make us lie that there is no hope, that, that this is the way it's always going to be or maybe a fear that, that it's going to happen again. So sometimes that's a way that the past can keep us trapped. And sometimes, you know, we look to the past as always the way God is going to do something. But, you know, when you look at scripture, how he worked through David was different than how he worked through Noah. God is always, he is the same, but he often works through us in different ways. How he worked through Timothy was different than how he worked through Abraham. So he highlights here in this verse, goal. Repeatedly, this word goal comes up. And actually, this goal, actually, if you look at the word, it could mean either a race, a race to run and win, or it could be an archery term, you know, hitting the target. But what we do know here is, is that Paul is highlighting it. He's always intentional. This is something that's not passive. He's not going to sleep. He's always. And if Apostle Paul, if he says, I've not yet reached this level of maturity or perfection, then likely you and I have not reached that as well. And I can speak for myself. I've not reached that level yet. But he's constantly aiming, constantly purposeful. And this word prize in this context is, is rewards handed out in the age to come that we are one day. Of course, we have the, the prize of salvation, but we also will be um, rewarded for the things that we did and we obeyed 
Christ. Salvation is a free gift, but the Bible speaks to us that there is a goal, that there's rewards that we are rewarded with because of our obedience to, to the Lord. So bottom line, if you're going to truncate this, uh, what the Apostle Paul is trying to say is this. You are not mature unless you realize you're not mature and continue to pursue maturity. So again, I'm going to say that you are not mature unless you realize you are not mature and continue to pursue maturity. So what this means is, is that we no, never go into spiritual retirement. We never just sit there and say, okay, I did my time, and now it's someone else's time, that we are to always be. So that's really good news, because no matter what age you are, God has a plan for you. He has something for you to do in the context of your life, in your family, in your friendships or relationships. There's something that he wants you to do to impact the life of somebody else. So our big truth today that we're looking at is this. Jesus changes everything, and that also means us. He can change anything, and he often changes us. They did a study recently that polled people on who had just come to the Lord for the first time, people who were in sin and, and experienced Christ for the very first time. And do you know the, the number one response that they got of, of change in their life? Do you know what that is? If you're online right now and you're able to, why don't you comment in the comments of what you think the change was? Go, take that moment right now and say, hey, this is what I think the change was. For me, I'll tell you, I, I thought I knew the answer. To me, I thought that people were going to respond. They had more joy. And that's probably true. But the number one thing that they noted was different was creativity and innovation. They began to believe that anything was possible. That Jesus had opened up their eyes, that these, this way of looking at things was not as um, limited as they thought that with Christ anything is possible. I saw this firsthand in, in Ghana as a missionary. Um, I think there's a picture that, you, that we have to show you when I was speaking at Ghana. And, um, and I saw that in the villages that uh, had Christians, I could almost tell when a village had a Christian influence because they were the ones that had the innovation and creativity and there was a lot more, there was joy, but there was also this innovation. In fact, it was only the Christian villages that we went to that actually had bathrooms. The rest of them didn't. And so this was a very important thing that anything through Christ is possible. So I just want to encourage you guys today, Plaza, I believe it's time to dream again that God has a plan for us. He has a plan for you. Um, maybe it's time this morning to ask, what would God have you do in this season? Even though it's a weird season, he is never passive. There's something maybe even this season is calling you to do. What might that be? Everything that God calls us to do, absolutely anything he calls us to do, it will require us to actually set goals. And I want to talk to you guys about that because it says here, Paul clearly says, I haven't reached that goal, but I keep moving toward it repeatedly. That he says, there's this goal. I've not reached it, but I'm keeping, I'm, I keep going for it. And this is actually mentioned multiple times in scripture. And I'm going to highlight a couple of those in a moment. But ultimately, part of that is to become more and more like Christ. But sometimes when we say that, that kind of our goal is to be more like Christ, it's more of a concept, more of a theory. But it's actually 
real, that there actually are real things that, that help us to become more like Christ. Not just something that we say, but it actually looks real in our life and is real in our life. For example, if we're going to be obedience to the Father, you know, what does that look like in our finances? What does that look like in our jobs? What does that look like in our church? It's not just a concept. It's a reality. But what does that actually look like? Setting goals is biblical, and, um, but there's a difference between God goals and selfish goals. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But this is fundamentally important to the Christian walk. Because sometimes in churches, we talk about things, but we don't actually see the things that we talk about come to fruition. Let me give you an example. Um, in a seminary, they did a four-year study, and they asked their students over four years, when you go and you are now a pastor, what was the one thing we could have done a better job of helping you be better equipped for ministry? And do you know what the number one answer was by far? They didn't ask for more Greek. They didn't ask for more history. They asked that they would help them learn to actually live the Christian life out. That was the hardest thing for them to actually figure out. So today, today we're going to talk about the important principle, the important biblical principle of setting goals. Where is God calling you? God's not a passive God. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are to be pursuing it. This is what spiritually mature people do. So if you're taking notes, get ready to write some of this stuff down. All right? Number one, goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. It's a spiritual responsibility. Jesus set goals. Jesus says he's going to build his church. When he says that, do you realize that that's the first time the church is used in the New Testament? It's not something that had happened yet. He was saying this is going to happen. When he came to earth, he had a goal to pay for the price for yours and mine's sin. There was a, a goal. There was a plan in place. Many of the great people in Scripture had goals. Nehemiah was to build the wall. The Apostle Paul had uh, the goal to plant churches. In fact, he tells Timothy to have the goal to raise up elders within the local church. Philippians 3, 12 and 15 says, I know that I am not yet what God wants me to be. But then he continues to say, but I'm moving towards it. Christ saved me for this. This is what the mature do, the spiritually mature do. God saved us not to just sit, uh, you know, and, and, and hang out with ourselves, but we are to actually pursue what God has called us to do. So essentially, you could say it this way. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the Philippians. He's instructing them. He's, he's challenging them that, that every single one of us will either live life by design or by default. Another way to say that is we will either live life with intention or by accident. This past year, all of our lives have been disrupted. I mean, most of us, if we had plans, they probably went out the window. And yet, in this craziness, God is not done with you. He is not done moving on this earth. As long as, as uh, his church is on this earth, he has called us to be light, salt and light in this world that we live in. And I don't know about you, but I don't, uh, I don't know if there's ever been a time in my life that this world needs more light. In fact, Galatians 5 says that, that uh, talks about the fruit of the Spirit talks about one of the fruits of the Spirit, or an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, is uh, self-control. Do you realize what self-control means? Self-control is the ability to do what is important, not what's urgent. And yet we often live our life on what's urgent and not what's important. 
Sometimes we were so urgently trying to pay the bills because we didn't actually take the time to do what was important and set a budget so we weren't living from, from paycheck to pay, paycheck or, or that we, weren't, we were making better decisions in our finances. Or, or sometimes things are so urgent at work that we don't actually do what's more important than making sure that we're spending time with our kids or with our families. We often spend our life doing what's urgent, not what's important. So if we don't have goals, God-given goals, then we're going to drift. And what will happen is, is we'll allow other people to direct our time and our energy and our life, our giftings in our life. So most of us know that God wants us to be physically healthy, but if you don't have a plan, we all know that's probably not going to happen. In fact, if, if you know how to uh, get healthy without having a plan, then let me know because I would love to figure out what that was. But one of the main reasons why we don't ask God for, give, for God-given goals is because of fear. We're afraid of it being uncomfortable. We're afraid of it being difficult or uh, the unknown. We don't like the unknown. Um, I mentioned I have a family, and I think there's a, a picture of, of my family. I have four small kids, and, um, and I love them to death. My oldest, or my second oldest daughter, her name is Arwen, and... Um, and so she is what we call my warrior princess. She has a fiery spirit, but I, I think that sometimes the enemy tries to make her fearful. And I just want to give you an example of, of how goals can impact even a soul of a girl who's six years old. She wanted to go on a ropes course at six years old, and so we got up there, and it was higher than she thought it would be. And, and I went before her, in front of her, so it would give her confidence. But I turn around on this ropes course where we're three stories high, and um, she be, I look back, and she's crying. She's over, and she's crying. And I go to her, and I said, we don't have to do this. We don't have to do this. Uh, we can turn back and go down. And she looked at me with tears, and she says, no. No, I want to do it. And she went through the entire ropes course, crying the, other, the entire time. But she would not let fear control her. That's something that's a challenge for, for all of us. And I'll be honest with you, and I, I'm not making this up. There were parts of the rope course I didn't want to go on, and I wouldn't have done it, but my six-year-old daughter did it. And if she did it, then that means I had to do it. So I want to encourage us right now on the front end of this. Why don't we ask God to, and ask him to give us a God goal? What, what would he ask him to take the time to say, Lord, what would you have me do in this season? What would you have me, what would you have us as a church do? Uh, what's that first step, God? I don't want to let fear control me. What, what does that look like? Maybe it's starting a business. Maybe, maybe it's personal evangelism, whatever it looks like. I know some of you guys are, have been at home for a while. Maybe you could do something online. I, whatever it is, let's ask us. It may be different for, from person to person. But number two, why do we set goals? This is really important. Goals are statements of faith. Goals are statements of faith. I'll give you an example um, I talked about when I was at Ghana. Uh, Ghana, in northern Ghana, has a, a strong Muslim influence. And so we went up there uh, to speak to people who a lot of them have not been very exposed to the Christian faith. And there were several villages that we had a goal to, to hit because they had not really been ministered to. And understand the timing of this. This is right when ISIS was beginning to break out all over the place. This was a very real thing that we were dealing with. And we, there was a goal. We were trying to reach as many villages as we could, and there was this one village, 
and I, I'm not joking, we're all of a sudden I'm preaching and I'm sharing my testimony when a whole slew of Muslim leaders come up and, and we don't know what's going to happen because many of them had guns and it was very scary. But God, at that place, we had more salvations at that place than all of the others combined. It wouldn't have happened had we not said, Lord God, we really feel that you've called us to be here and we want to reach as many of these as possible. That would never have happened. And I'll just tell you, I don't know how God gave me a grace because I look back at it now and it just scares the mess out of me. But God was glorified. In fact, one of the leading chiefs in that area gave his heart to the Lord and that was unheard of in that part of Ghana. Ephesians 3.20 says this, God can do anything, far more that you could ever imagine or guess or dare to request in your wildest dreams. See, many of us say that we believe in a big God, but sometimes we live as if he's not that big at all. We often let our circumstances control us, let the unknown keep us where we're at, let our fears and our anxieties control what we do or say. This is really important, and I, I just asked this morning that you really hear this, because fear is a powerful motivator. And what you fear the most is what you will obey. What you fear the most is what you will obey. So if you fear anything more than God, you will obey that. If you fear not having money, then money will make every decision in your life. If you fear people not liking you, then everything you do will be based on keeping the accolades of others. It's kind of like this. If there's a mother who fears water, but their child falls into the water, whatever she fears the most will win out. And for most moms, they jump into the water even if they're scared. What we fear the most will determine what we obey. So I just want to ask us this morning, is there something that we fear more than God? Because if there is, that's who we're going to obey. If you look at scripture, any great thing that God did required faith. Nothing that God did was safe. I mean, if you think about Daniel praying when, you know, the law says that you couldn't. David taking on Goliath. Noah building an ark when everyone's like, what are you doing? The disciples following Christ. Paul planting churches in the face of persecution. There's nothing that God calls us to do that's great, that is safe. But again, what we fear the most will control us. What we fear the most will dictate our, who we will obey. I just want to encourage you this morning. We serve a big God. With our God, the God of the Bible, the one true God, anything is possible. Our God closed the mouths of lions. Our God knocked down a giant. Our God healed and raised the dead. Our God sent his son to die for our sins. Our God with anything is possible through our God. Our God is big enough to face the virus, to face the political issues that we're dealing with. Our God is able. Again, Ephesians 3.20, God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine or guess or dare to request in your wildest dreams. I understand that sometimes this is easier said than lived out. You know, I, as a pastor, you know, I'm very honest that 
I struggle with some of these things just as much as anybody. You know, I can share in my personal life where, um, you know, I believe that, that God was able and he was big, but the truth was is my wife and I weren't sure that we were going to be able to have kids. We didn't know if we'd be able to have kids. For the first several years of our marriage, it just didn't happen for us, and, and we didn't know if, if that was just the way life was going to be. And then, and then God surprised us with two beautiful girls. And then, after those great testimonies and blessings, we had two miscarriages back-to-back. And we began to wonder if that was it. We began to wonder if we weren't going to be able to have any more. And then all of a sudden, we got two boys. There were moments there where we were fearful that that we weren't going to be able to have more. But our God is able, and he blessed us. And I'm really blessed that he, he gave us the opportunity to be able to parent our four beautiful children i just want to let you know and i believe that there are some that are sitting there that they've lost hope i just want you to know that our god is able and when he speaks to us and he transforms us he begins to help us see new possibilities that we we didn't see on our own and he begins to show us how to do it. And, and part of that is he shows us goals and steps. In some cases, you can, you can highlight a goal as, as steps that he gives us to help us um, grow our faith in the process. So number three, how does goal setting help? Well, one of the ways is it helps goals help us focus our attention. 1 Corinthians 9.26, the Apostle Paul says this, I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just air. He's highlighting, I just don't go around, you know, haphazardly just waiting for something to happen. He says, I fight like a boxer who's hitting something. I don't run without a goal. We don't follow Christ without having goals in mind that we're, we're trying to, to obey. We, it's not just kind of a haphazard thing. There's a goal. We're not hitting air. And maybe you feel like you're hitting air. Maybe you feel like nothing you're doing is making a difference. As a kid, I struggled to focus, and I could not read as a child. I have uh, several degrees, and I've written a couple books, but I just want to tell you, that's not because I'm awesome. That's because God's awesome. I could not read as a kid. I, I had teachers tell me that I was no good, that I could never learn, and so everything that's happened in my life is, is a blessing from God. But there was a moment when I was a child that the goal was just to be able to read, and my mom helped me with that goal. She helped me, spent whole summers, two summers in a row, just helping me to, lead that, uh, to read, and that was my goal. And because of God's grace, he helped me to get it. I don't know what the block was. I don't know what the issue was, but I, I struggled. But that, God used that to grow me. Like, if I couldn't read, I couldn't read the Bible. I, I couldn't even prepare a message today. Like every single day, it's fundamental to what God does in my life every single day. And that started with one simple goal because I remembered my teacher saying I couldn't do anything. I remembered, but my mom would tell me anything is possible with God. I just want to tell you, there's anything's possible. But we have to focus. What I mean by that, let me give you a practical example. Let's just say that the Lord has put on your heart to help people, right? And you have $100. That's what you have to help. If you use that $100, you could... Help impact somebody's life. Maybe, maybe you pay a utility bill or, or maybe you help buy groceries. But if you take that $100 and you break them all into pennies and you just give one penny to 100 people, it's probably not going to have much of an impact. 
And sometimes that's what we do with our life. We try to do everything at once, and it will have minimal impact. Why? Because every single one of us only have 160 hours in a week. That's all. So when God calls us to do something, every time we say yes to one thing, we say no to something else. So is there something that God's called us to do, but we've not given the full effort because we're so spread out, so and I understand different people have different levels of capacity, but the principle is true no matter what your giftings are. When God gives us a purpose and goals, it helps us to focus to what's most important. I just want to ask you, what has God called you to focus on? Maybe it's to help with young people. Maybe it's to help with worship. Maybe it's to, to work with the homeless. Maybe it's to write a book. Maybe it's to, to, to connect with that teacher around the corner that you work with or with one of your coworkers. What has God called you to focus on? Number four, what impact does goal setting have? Actually, when God gives us a God-given goal and we step out on faith, it actually helps build our character. One of the greatest benefits of goals is not what you achieve. It's actually what you become in the process. See, what happens is God gives us a God-given goal. We step out in faith, and in that process, he begins to change us and shape us because we have to be able to depend on him to accomplish it. And there are challenges that we have to pray through. There's character issues that need to be dealt with that are revealed. Colossians 1, 9 and 10 says, From the day we heard, we have not ceased to walk in a manner worthy of the, God, of the, of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So an easy way that we could say this is while you're working on a God-given goal, God's working on you. He's working on me. I just want to clarify a couple things here. You can have a goal and it not be a God-given goal. And you can be a non-Christian and have goals that you're shooting towards. But there's a difference. If it's not a God-given goal or if it's something that maybe a non-believer, a goal that they're shooting towards, then that won't draw us closer to God. What it will do is it will actually increase pride. It will increase fear or frustration because what ends up happening is fear can control someone because if our identity is just based on what we achieve, then we get angry or fearful if anybody challenges that. We become insecure, more isolated. But if it's a God-given goal, it draws us closer to God. So, how do we know the difference? What kind of goals does God bless? I'm going to highlight three ways that we know if this is a God-given goal. And these are just lenses to be able to kind of ask to process God. I feel like he might be saying this. You know, somebody mentioned this, and this kind of resonates with me. Um, these are diff different questions that we can ask to help us figure out, is this really a God thing or not? So, number one is this. Will this goal honor God? Will this goal honor God? Will it cause you to love him more? And part of that also is, will it cause you to love other people more? Uh, love other people more? Because if you look at the great commandment, he says, love God with all your being, essentially. But also, he says, love others as yourself. So it, bottom line is, is if you really love God, you're going to love other people. So is this something that's going to honor God and, and help me love him more and help me love other people more? 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, God paid a great price for you, so use your body to honor God. We are to use our being to honor God. Honor is a way that we say worship God or, or to really reflect our love for God. Now, I just want to highlight real quick. I want to 
pause for a moment and just honor you at Plaza because, um, you know, I drive by all the time and, and uh, Pastor Daniel and I have developed a friendship over, over the years that we've been around and, and gotten to know each other pretty well. But I am so encouraged when I see um, Plaza really trying to impact the community, the outreach they do on Wednesdays, the, um, the, the different events that you all try to do, uh, your support for missions and such. This is a, a, a church I see there's a desire and a heart to do things, uh, to advance God's kingdom, to, to reach people who don't really know him. And I just want to take the time to honor that because this, one of the things that we look at is, will this honor God? And I, I see that there's this desire to really honor God. And I just want to take the time to, um, to honor that heart and that desire. Another question that we need to ask, if this is something that, that a, a God goal is this, is this goal motivated by love? Is this goal motivated by love? Not greed, not ego, not competition, not guilt, not envy, not materialism, not control. Oftentimes, we try to use God for one of these different reasons, control. I don't want this because this isn't what I want, so you can't do this. You have to ask, is this motivated by love or not? 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Everything you do must be done with love. Everything we do must be done with love. One of the ways that we can identify if we're operating in love is, how do we talk about people when they're not around? How, how do we treat them when they are around? This helps reveal if, if this is um, motivated by love or not. Now, there's grace and there's mercy because none of us are going to be perfect. Thank God we are saved by grace because we're going to mess up from time to time. But ultimately, this kind of helps reveal our motives. Number three, how do we know if this is a God goal or not? Will this goal require depending on God? If we look at Scripture, what we can see very clearly is when people were following God's will, when they were following the Spirit of God, it required them to depend on Him. Proverbs 16.9 says this, We plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. See, sometimes the most dangerous to the impossible is the easily possible. Sometimes we look at the things that we think God wants to do, but we focus on why it can't be done. And that's something that, again, we, we say that we believe in a big God, but sometimes how we live is we actually believe that he's really a small God because how we live reveals what we truly believe about him. So I'm going to encourage you guys for a next step. I just believe, Plaza, that, that it's time to dream again. I really believe that, that God is doing something in this season when, when the world, in fact, historically, when the world has hit challenges in in health crisis or wars, it is when the church has, has been the brightest light. And I just believe that for you all in this season. But what we're going to do is, is activate this, meaning what is the next step? How do we deal with this? Uh, what I like to say sometimes is we learn it to live it. How do we live this out? And it's going to start by, by prayer because we can't do it just by ourselves. And if you're taking notes, I want to uh, ask you to write these three things that we can pray that God will activate this in our lives. Uh, let's ask God to give us direction. It's time to dream again. God, you know, it's easy for me to look at the world and be angry. 
I don't know about you, but there's been times when I look at what people have posted on social media or what I've seen in the news, and it's easy for me to get angry or fearful or, anxi or anxious. But God, I just want to ask you right now, what is, your God, what is your God goal for me in this season? What would you have me do? So when you pray, one of the things that, if you're writing this down, say, God, I need your spirit to empower me because we can't do anything without him. We come before him and say, God, I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not talented enough. God, I need you. I need your spirit to empower me and guide me and lead me. Zechariah uh, 4, 6 says, you will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So let's go to the Lord and ask this. But also let's pray this. God, I need God's word to guide me. God's word guides us to know when and how. You know, I, I honestly, I'll just be blunt. I don't know how people who don't know Jesus, I don't know how they're dealing with this stuff. Because it's been challenging. I don't know how they're dealing with it. I don't, I don't know how people who don't know Jesus, how, how they deal with people, uh, their loved ones dying or with, with schools being shut down and, and with all the unknown things. I don't know how they do it. But what we know is we have the word of God. Joshua 1.8 says this, keep this book. It says, keep this book of the law on your lips. Recite it by day and by night that you may carefully follow all that is written in it then you will successfully attain your goal. Let's pray, Lord, I need your, your word to guide me. Because part of knowing God's word is it helps us to know what to shoot for and what not to. Sometimes we have these ideas of what we think is right, but the word of God writes our perspectives. And number three, that we pray about, God, give me a God-given goal, but Lord, I need God's people to support me. Ecclesiastes 4.12, by yourself, you're unprotected, but with a friend, you can face the worst. And a group of three is even better because a rope braided with three strands is not easily snapped. We need other believers to help keep us accountable. We need other believers to challenge us, to, that we can learn from, that can encourage us to uh, you know, ask tough questions. And the problem is right now we have a culture where our finding reasons, even within some churches, are finding things to look for to argue about and fight about and divide. And understand, that's the enemy's plan. The enemy's plan is to divide isolate and destroy but the church if we're going to advance together we need one another you know you know sometimes when you have churches there's sometimes this competition i just want to let you know that we we, we see you all as brothers and sisters in christ locking arms and, and and impacting this community we all need people to support us if if we're gonna if god's gonna give each of us a god goal we can't do it on our own. Jesus changes everything. And that means us too. That means if God gives us a God goal to shoot for and we obey him and go after it, what that means is, is that you and I will never be the same again because in that process we'll change. You know, I'm a different person than the man when I got, first got married because I've grown. Marriage has forced me to grow. Being a father has forced me to grow. Being a pastor has forced me to grow. I am far more uh, mature than I was before, and I've still not arrived yet. There's a lot more for me to, uh, to grow to, just like Paul. I've not yet reached it. But Jesus changes everything. Plaza, it's time to dream again. We serve a God that can do anything. Let us pray.
Lord, in Jesus' name, I just pray, God, that you would help us to have faith and trust you in the season. God, would you please show us a God that you've called us to do uh, both in our personal lives, in our churches, in our families. God, would you show us and give us the courage, the boldness, uh, and, and know what steps to take. In Jesus' name, just show that and, and, and reveal that to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And I just want to pause real quick. If you're watching this right now and you are not a believer, if, if you don't know Jesus, if you died right now, you don't know if you go to heaven or hell, but you want to be right with him. You want this, this promise where we talked about a God that will give us a God-given goal and will lead us. If that's something that you desire, I want to encourage you right now, would you just raise your hand? I know I can't see you and no one else can see you, but God sees you. If that's you and you want to make that decision, I'm going to pray with you right now because this decision will change your life forever. God's doing something and he might be doing something in you today. If that's you, I'm going to pray with you right now. If you would repeat after me, and it's important that you, do, you just don't repeat the words, mean it. You're talking to God himself, the creator of all things. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Remember, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I've messed up. I've sinned against you. And I can't fix myself. I put my hope in you. Be the leader of my life, the Lord of my life. I put my faith that you died for me and rose again supernaturally. Would you show me how to live? Change me from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, would you reach out to the family here at Plaza and I'm sure they'll follow up with you and and try to help you take your next steps. Plaza, thank you so much for having me. It was my honor. Love you guys. Hope to be good neighbors. If you have any questions, just let us know. Blessings. I'm going to pass this back to Pastor Daniel. God bless.